Today, we're going to talk through a few topics, marketing agencies, virtual assistants, and paid media. We're going to jump around a little bit, but there's a lot of movement in these areas right now in 2023. And thankfully, we have Nick Shackelford here to help us navigate some of that, not all of it, but some of that. Um, for context, Nick is the founder of a bunch of agencies himself, so he kind of knows what he's talking about with this. Um, some of the agencies include Constant, uh, Structured, Lucid. So a lot going on. Busy guy. Also runs a Slack community for marketers and a bunch of other things. So Nick, before we really get started, I do want to know what has your mind right now in marketing? Like what are the things that you actually care about really deeply that are happening in marketing right now? Oh man, I, you just, I, I always cringe when people are like, oh, this guy does all these things. And it's, it's, I promise you it's as, it's a little bit more focused than just having a handful of different agencies. But I, I would say right now, which very top of mind for me is navigating policy on advertising CBD and THC on Facebook, t Twitter, TikTok, and, and honestly, we'll say, we'll say meta, but, and Google. Because what we've seen in the advertising space, because you're right, I, I have uh, traditional e-commerce, full stack, I have uh, editing, and then I have this one agency, Lucid, where it's a lot of advertising of more fringe areas. Conscious compounds is what we like to call it, kindly. And it's been very interesting to see Facebook or Meta's suite of products kind of change how they want to actually bring these people onto the platform because they need the revenue, right? You see their earnings and again, again, you see the, the, the movement away from augmented reality. So it's been very top of mind of how do we iterate processes? How do we be more cost effective around those processes? And at the end of the day, like we are, whether we want to agree to or not, staring down an economic uncertainty, which means us on the agency side are looking to try to kind of, I don't want to say cut costs, but be very mindful of where our money is going because we know that our clients and the people that we're working with are doing the same thing to us. It's, it's interesting. One of the things I actually wanted to speak through, especially with paid media side of it, is all the oh. privacy concerns, ad blocking tech, uh, how this is impacting all this. But then you layer on an industry or industries like uh, CBD, for example, where there's like some people that still aren't super comfortable talking about that. There's different regulations probably. Oh, what, yeah. what When you're looking at your agency and the rise of these privacy concerns or Facebook concerns with ad blocking tech, all this stuff. How has it actually impacted the way that you approach paid media? Huge, huge. Like we were, we we're in the process of, so we've, we've acquired three agencies in the last four years. Like we were, we're in that role of vehicle style. That's why we like to grow. One of them that we wanted to was in Europe, which as they went to the GDPR, as, as they went through regulations of audience targeting abroad, and they went through the Brexit and they went through a lot of the, and I won't go too deep into detail on the regulations of because I'm not super familiar with it, but that stopped us and wanted to do a lot of the advertising tactics abroad. And even today, when I look at, when I look at the ability to do this type of advertising, and you just saw this massive lawsuit that Facebook got hit with, I think it was about a week or two weeks ago. It was, it was one of the largest settlements. And it's funny because the day after, the day after this hits, all of a sudden there's some sort of CPM spike and, and a weird uh, Twitter was blowing up about this. Everybody's talking about, I can't turn my campaigns off. Facebook spent all my budget. Interesting timing. So you get hit with the lawsuit abroad and all of a sudden we can't turn our ads off. Hopefully we get a receipt for this. Yeah. There, there are a lot of people that were, uh, Facebook even had to put a notification up like, Hey, you might be entitled to, to money. And a lot be of people fun. did that. Some people only got like $10 out of it or whatever, but. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so, it's yeah. such typical Facebook, man. Yeah, it really is. Well, okay. So we're talking 
channels on paid media, for example, are you like low on Facebook right now? Or on the flip side of that, are there any channels that you feel are like really underutilized now for paid media? It's a good question. I, I'm not low on Facebook. It's still like, if I look at my portfolio of where we put our spend, it's still got 80%, 90%. I would say when, when we got hit with the attribution and uh, the ability to not really get clear audiences back from Facebook, you can still use audiences. It's just a little bit more convoluted or it's more model data, model information. We, we freaked out, but it still controlled our spend. We used the different, the various tools. Like everybody can talk about Triple Whale, North Beam, Elevar, all these other tools that you can use to kind of get some clarity on it or get some first party information, third party information, if you will. We implemented that and that was like true north, which pushed us to go into Google. Google, we felt, hey, they're already searching for it. It's got higher intent, it's got quicker, quicker ability to get some purchases in there. So we are spending more of our time and effort building out Google, Google shopping, more on YouTube. But it's there's just so many processes that Facebook commands. And we've done, dude, we've done holdout tests. We've done turn everything off on Facebook and just let it run and see what happens. And it, all the channels drop. You really can't get away from it. Interesting. Uh, is uh, On the flip side then, is there one of those channels where you're like, I, I really want to put more into this? You see huge value in, in that or something that's maybe up and coming. I wanted to. Okay. I know you might not be wanting me to say this or maybe you do. I wanted to go all in on TikTok. Like I, I would say up before last year, and this might be a little controversial for most people, up until last year, I would say up until Q4 of last year, Man, we were like, okay, guys, TikTok has to be at least 15, 20. We're trying to raise the percentage of how much ad spend was allocated towards that channel to test and run it. And then we're like, cool, Black Friday's here. You know, this is going to be a great channel. Int buyer intense high. It absolutely shit the bed. Like we, we couldn't command or we couldn't confidently direct any of our partners. Guys, you should be allocating more money to TikTok because it just didn't convert. The, the intent wasn't there. I actually believe now, even though they, they say you can drive revenue from TikTok, which I believe, I think if it's the right product, right time, I personally haven't seen it at any sort of scale. So I'm a skeptic. But if you let that be a very high top, top, top of funnel, I mean, top of funnel to where you're even remarking some of that traffic for Facebook in a prospecting campaign, honestly, that's how I look at TikTok right now. But I can't, I can't allocate the money, man. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard this from a lot of people. Like most people say TikTok. Oh, good is interesting but it's hard to justify maybe if you wouldn't mind just like dumbing it down a little bit what are some of those bullet points of what makes it scary to allocate yeah. money there to, to two things off the bat first the demographic of buyers the 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 way that that uh, and it's gonna sound woo woo but the way that the algorithm is built and made you're not trying to get off and buy like you're just consumption on consumption you're just killing and droning out the amount of hours because of the way the platform is set up. The content that's needed for that platform is so specific to the user behavior of that platform of consumption product, consumption discovery, consumption learning, consumption provocative. Whereas on Facebook and Instagram, you're kind of like accustomed to shopping. It's kind of built to shop within it. So it, it, it to me, the nature of the behavior on the platform doesn't allow the purchase ability to happen so consistently. That's the first one. Second one, you actually have to be on the platform consuming it and creating organically on it. Whereas a lot of the brands like just run the ads. I want, I want the ads to work. Yeah, yeah. So do we. But you, if you're not a consumer of it, if you're not actually building the community and growing organically, which you do get a bonus, you do get way more ability to get some revenue that way. If you're actually 
running some organic or building some of the channel content there is. I think ads could be a way of, of like hijacking, get a little bit faster growth, but you can't have one without the other in this case, especially needing to be there organically. The last thing is the process of what content works there. Whereas on Facebook, whereas on Instagram, even YouTube, um, even on Google, specifically on Google, you can get away with images or some videos, right? Product stills, you can get maybe like a cheaper creator. TikTok, you have to have a person shooting content or video of them doing the thing or the product or, or some sort of example. You can't kind of do a picture and let that run, which is a kind of a barrier to entry. Like you have to solve that problem first. How would you think about if you had to make TikTok work for like a B2B software company, how would you how would you try to do that and really like nail it? No, I actually saw this happen quite a few times. So Triple Whale is a perfect example of this stuff. They they firsthand used creators in the space. So their their software's um, operating system for e-commerce stores. So they found uh, e-commerce creators, people that talk about, you know, Shopify builds, people talking about Facebook ads. And they would just do like, come with me over my shoulder. And so it was like real life, show the camera here, all of a sudden show there. And it was very real, like step one, do this. Step two, do this. Uh, step three, log into Triple Whale. So they did really unique short clips and cuts on how they would kind of go about on the B2B side of things, um, especially on SaaS. I, I, I know it wasn't profitable because I've talked to them many times about it, but the way that they went and approached their content, it was pretty clear that they had a good strategy towards it. It just didn't pan out. So let's let's take a step back here. When you say paid media, what what all are you entailing in that? Because like there's paid social, but there's yep. there's more to it than than paid social. What are all the other buckets that you consider in paid media? I keep it simple. So I will say it's paid paid media to me is search and social. Those are the two 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 areas right there. Honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't kind of confuse it. Now within that you go you have Google, Bing, you have Facebook, Instagram. Sorry, I keep saying it. You have Meta, you have Instagram, you have TikTok, uh, you have YouTube over there. I'll put that in search. I think uh, YouTube is a little bit more search and social, depending on how you like to use the tool. And then I would put connected TV, but I would I would say on on paid media, those are all my paid media quote unquote brands. Do you do you fiddle around with like newsletter, paid sponsorship stuff for podcasts, things like that within that bucket, or do you treat that very separately? We try to treat it separately. Um, we, we because of the way that our shop is set up, we don't get a dabble in that stuff, mainly because we don't we don't know the space. I would love to. I know newsletter buys make a lot of sense, but you have to, it has to be. And I think the rise of newsletter buys, because I'm in this the Twitter bubble sphere of people selling, uh, and shout out to Chase, right? Like Chase has a very, very high converting email and newsletter. Well, he's able to sell slots because it's very focused, right? It's very specific. I don't find too many newsletters that are B2C, like consumer specific, that aren't owned by a single brand, other than maybe like a collection of uh, everyday carry stuff, or maybe there's like a theme of nature or whatnot. But I don't really see it it being as profitable um, or, or a way of building unless the brand themselves own it. All right. I, I would do want to talk kind of like virtual assistants, things like this, but okay. wrapping up around, around this idea of paid media, I just want to get your hot takes, like opinions doesn't have, you don't have to be controversial for controversy's sake, but like, do you have any deeply held beliefs about paid media that other agencies, most agencies are going to say, do it one that do it this way, but you actually think, no, you have to do it this way. It's totally wrong. Well, yeah, I do actually. Um, 
I don't believe that you need a, an attribution software. I, I think you can get this done with uh, your Shopify numbers and Google Analytics. Now, what's what happens when GA4 hits in a couple of days? So we'll find out there's been a huge uproar there. Um, I think you, I think most people shouldn't hire agencies or hire anybody to do it unless you know how to do it yourself. That's the first thing I'll, I'll, I'll stand and scream that uh, you don't need a full blown agency to do it. You need a single person to manage a channel. Once you understand it, so you don't get duped, like you should have some working knowledge so you can kind of speak to some specifics. Um, I will say TikTok is probably a, a, a platform you're not going to use on a paid media style for quite a while. If you believe you have an opportunity to make more money at running TikTok and you're not spending millions of dollars a month on Facebook and, and Instagram, go back to Facebook and Instagram. Um, AOV is probably the biggest area that you should be focusing on, yet a lot of people don't understand how to do it. And CRO most likely is um, a very loose term that someone says of like optimizing my pages. But what does that mean? What are you optimizing for? More conversion, more, uh, more, more or more revenue. Uh, and people spending for CRO is often way too late. I think they can do that earlier on because people don't necessarily know exactly what their price points of their products should be at the start. And even I don't have a sexy way of testing where your price threshold or price elasticity should be. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. So one point that you said in there was people that hire agencies should know what they want and how to kind of do something. Oh yeah. So for your marketing agency or for other people that, that want to run an agency in the future, whatever, does that hurt you to say that up front? Cause I'm guessing you're honest with people up front. If you get the wrong type of client in, you're probably telling them that, right. And it hurts your, conversion into your your own agency oh dude dude i'm i'm almost 10 years in on this like i've been agency side we have we have run brands I, I love everything in terms of like i love the marketing and the growth and the acceleration i'm not a i'm not a big product guy i'm not focused on product development or road mapping like no like give me my revenue targets and give me how much i have to spend and let me go build the plan that's needed or get the team there that's needed to, to go execute that plan. I love that area. I love if, if I were to rebuild who I was, I'd be a traditional CMO of a digital team or a, a chief digital officer. That's where I would be focused on. And it's, it's because it does hurt, but it, there's nothing worse than having the wrong fit come into the agency or come in for the team. And all of a sudden your team gets demoralized. I'm going through this literally right now. Like I had calls earlier today where we have an incredible team or incredible partner that we're working with pays us a boatload of cash yet the team just jumps on there's like i don't know demoralized and it just goes it bleeds into everything else that they do and then you look at it and you're like guys why what's and once you lose that that uh that like spark of the the the, the love for the partner or love for the product uh, there's it's almost impossible to get that back so I, I think i think it's really important for people that are maybe on the freelance side maybe you're Stringing together, you, you are get the lead and you're stringing together with some other freelancers, right? You're building this this pseudo agency. At first, yeah, you need money. You need money in the door. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. You need to get the dollars in the door. But as soon as you feel like your your living costs with some savings are covered, you gotta choose a specific product that makes you excited, or you gotta choose a specific industry or partners that that motivate you to do what you want to do the best. So going, going more into the agency side, because I'm interested here and then then want to transition this into virtual assistants for your agency as well. But yeah, when, when we're talking through your, you can pick one of them, whichever one you want to use for this exercise, but how do you actually market your own agency? 
Like what are, yeah. what are the channels you actually care about? So for example, for like structured, if you're, if you have like email and SMS as an offering, if you have paid media as an offering, do you try to rely on those channels that you're selling to sell your own agency and like keep it contextual? Or do you just kind of like do the same marketing for all of your different agencies? It's a great question. So I think at this size and I'll, I'll be able to use structured for this because we're actively rethinking this because at the size we're currently at, we're, we're looking to be uh, about 15 million top line this year. Trying to, trying to clear out the year's 15 million top line, trying to play within that 20 to 35% margin range. So we're, we're, we're pushing for an incredible year and continued growth. The way that we've done that, almost almost 100%, I'm not saying it's 100%, but it's, I'm sure it's, it's through personal, out, or personal inbound leads from myself or from my partner, Chase, and now my third partner, Jake. And there's, there's two other ones that aren't as public. We, which is content creation. So it's, you, we know how much content we have to create on the platform. I talk paid media and content. That's usually the message that is coming from me. Chase email and SMS, primarily email. So when you see us, you can make it synonymous with what it is that we're talking about or what it is that we're sharing. That to me has been the easiest way of, for having someone, if you're, a, if you're consistently talking about it and you're consistently on, for our channel specifically, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. Facebook and Instagram are more personal, but for biz dev or, or, or building the brand or building the authority, Twitter and LinkedIn are the ones where we spend a significant amount of our time. All these leads are coming in inbound because we're creating, again, we've been doing this, we've been doing this for seven, eight years on our own for our own things. So that just stacks over time. We have, our, we have videos that live for quite a while on YouTube. If they kind of, and this is kind of how this B2B touch point comes in. They need to Unless you're part of like, again, marketer makes it great because they're vetted. They're, they're people uh, are real when they come there and the brand of market hire is able to attract these type of customers. So a lot of people don't have to do this with that, the people that you work for, right? Well, or people that work on, on behalf of market hire. Well, if you're just building and trying to get traffic for yourself, you have to be an author, you have to be authoritative around it, or you have to be consistently talking about it. And what, what really blows my way when I talk to other agencies or freelancers that are like, Hey, I have two. I want three. I also want to get an employee. The message of us sharing is not just for new new brands or new partners to come in. It's for employees to trust. Like they want to be a part of the team that's like actually building or leading or or people are talking about it or it's, it's quote unquote cool to to be a part of that or it's authoritative in that space. And it's just reassuring to know that your your team or your leads are so public about it or wanting to kind of encourage and push the community along. So it's safe to say that you focus a really heavily on organic to promote the agency. Do, do you, I mean, do you spend a, a decent amount of money advertising as well, or do you try to stay away from that? We don't spend any paid media. We don't spend any paid media or any dollars on paid media for ourselves right now. The only place that we've spent money has been attending events. So I would say investment in events, right? So I, I own an event series called GeekX. Um, we invest in that business. We also invest to send some of our employees to other marketing events. So I would say we'll, we'll go the event route. Two, we we do do outbound on LinkedIn and we do do outbound on Twitter. And we do invest in like lists, like how do we ag aggregate and get some lists so that we can do some cold email and cold DMs. But in terms of like actually running paid media to get clients, haven't done that. Eventually we will have to, right? That's a channel that um, allows it, things to grow quicker quality usually drops from all the people that I've talked to. So you have to have a pretty good system of understanding how quality are these going to be. And right now it seems to be uh, filling pipe with 
just the organic outbound we're doing right now. Last question around paid media. Um, yeah. I, I think this will be this will be an interesting one. Just really quick, if, if you give me your general sense across your clients, your portfolio, you don't have to give me specific numbers if you don't want to, but um, since whether we're in a recession now or whatever's happening right now, something's happening, right? I think we can agree on that. What has spend dropped like significantly? And if so, how much or, or is it actually risen? Like what's the, what's the radar there? We have a good portfolio that's baby products to supplement to jewelry tickets all over the place we're down we're down in terms of overall spend it's not it's not significant it's still under about 10 percent from q1 to let's say we're, we're the beginning of may so we had we had april drop and i literally looked at this on the first of may so i don't know where we're at i don't know if it's trending up from today's may 3rd uh, i don't know if it's trending up but q1 year over year is significantly lower than we were last year that makes sense that makes sense um Cool. Well, it, any other insights there before I move on? Because I, I do want to talk, talk virtual assistant, but let me know if I'm leaving anything out here. No, I think you're good on this, man. Let's, let's trans. Cool. All right. So you you have mentioned that part of growing this agency is you, you need help in a lot of areas. A lot of that is employees. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing, you know, to start off with, you're probably doing a lot, all of this yourself, figuring out what works and then growing from there. It's usually kind of how that goes for successful companies. But now you're kind of at a stage where you've got clients, you've been doing this for a really long time and yeah. maybe you want to scale, you, you want to keep, keep growing in a certain direction. What's, what's the role of like using marketing assistance or virtual assistance within the business for you? We, we don't necessarily call them straight up assistance, even though they are assisting a lot of like, we'll call it mainland and, and offshore. So we have our company set up. So we're, in, we're about uh, 60, 70 employees full-time. And then we have a, a portion of these full-time, they're still contractors, but they're full-time. So then there's a large portion that are offshore and we consider anybody offshore that's just not States or Canada. Um, we do have team, team members in Mexico, Mexico City and other South American uh, places. You technically can call that virtual assistants because they're not like home in the United States. So depending on how you want to use that virtual assistant or, or non-American talent support, if you will. Uh, but a lot of the virtual assistants that we have are supporting across every every place on the on, on the agency meaning we have virtual assistants aka offshore support on media buying we have ad design for paid media we have uh, graphic design for email we have implementation for email we have strategy for email all these are, are offshore or virtual assistants and then i, I myself have my own uh, full-time assistant she, now she is stateside um, just because her and I are, I want, I wanted somebody in my time zone. I wanted somebody that was in LA if I needed to kind of meet up with them, but that was the only time I needed to make sure that I had somebody close to me. What did it look like before you ever hired anybody offshore, had any assistant or anybody like that? What, what was the company structure then? And maybe if, if you wouldn't mind just sharing like the first experience you had actually working oh, yeah. with somebody offshore. Yeah, no, we, so our, our entire, so constant, our entire design team outside of so we so our constant creator which is our on 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 demand editing design team brand uses uh, agencies use us tool that that was impossible to scale at the margins because of what we were charging and we never wanted it to be a high ticket charge we wanted it to be a, a moderate charge but you couldn't do that with american or canadian talent 
just couldn't do it, especially with how we were trying to offer in the time zones. Didn't make sense for anybody that was not in uh, PST or, or EST time zones. Uh, and so our first experience was now we're able to actually work 24 seven. So that was the, the biggest thing that we wanted to do is make sure that using virtual assistants allowed us to always have eyes on A, the edits and B, the ad accounts. That was like the number one thing that we wanted to solve. We solved it. It was difficult at first because you, a lot of people go like, oh, you just go to the Philippines and you like PH online jobs, whatever. And you don't get the quality, like you don't get quality there. Like there's, it's really difficult. It's a lot of interviews. It's easy for them to dupe you. You don't know if their internet's going to be secure. Like we've gone through all these core things when trying to hire virtual assistants. That is just frustrating, man. It's 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 a, a process that drove us to really looking to build in Ecuador and in Colombia and South America, other countries down there. It's something that we really invest our time and effort into now. Yeah, I've actually, I think Mexico is like the fastest growing area for offshore talent actually now in, in America, which is, which is interesting. Cause it used to be I love that. like India, Philippines, but now Mexico's really coming and high, high level of talent there. And then in South America as well. Yeah. And impact impact wise then for, for the business, um, it, let, let's say bringing one person on, what kind of ripple effect is even just having one offshore person or one assistant coming on board? What kind of ripple effect does that have across the business? Well, it's so it's kind of like what people talk about what they believe AI is doing or are going to do for our industry, right? Oh, to make you more efficient and make you faster, you know, give you the ability to create quicker. That's that that's what virtual assistants do. But you're human, like you you they have context, they have creativity, they have strategy, like they aren't just input in and and, and receive an output. Like that's what what it allowed us to do, which was interesting because we needed to make sure a lot of major companies are still new to virtual assistants, which just blows my mind. But they do it because they don't know where to find it or they don't know how to communicate effectively with their employees to the virtual assistants because there's different cultures that you have to understand and there's different ways of communication that they're used to and that we are used to as Americans or even Canadians. So first you have to make sure that the culture fit from them is able to work and their, their integrity is where it needs to be, their internet where it needs to be. And that to me was something that we, we got very lucky. We had a couple core that we've been with over 10 years as virtual assistants with our overall agency, me and Jake specifically. And that was eye-opening of going, hey, quality is incredible. Costs are a fraction, but still great for where they are. Two, they're able to continue to be on when we're not able to be on. And then lastly, they're just so much more grateful. I don't know what it is. And, and maybe it's just our experience, but they're just very grateful to to have what they have the role what they have and supporting the overall vision that you guys are building last one then then we'll hop out of here i appreciate you being generous with your time here are you, are you good for a couple more minutes i'm good brother yeah okay cool um last one would just be maybe if, if you have like a few bullet points of how to actually maximize your relationship with offshore talent with an assistant because i think that's the honestly one of the biggest blockers to people trying yeah. it besides like cost or anything is Okay, cool. I can do it, but how? How do I actually get the most out of this relationship? What are some of the bullet points you've noticed that are just crucial to getting set up the right way? For for us, first, a clear SOP of exactly what you want done. Asking them what they would do to improve it on a consistent basis. That way, if they're executing it, they can get feedback on it. Three, direct feedback to them. Fourth, I would say be open 
to the hours that they want to work. You you want them to be at their freshest and their best, so it might not be the hours that you need. And then lastly, I would say you're going to have to invest a little bit of time to understand the best way that it suits you because they're going to be able to do a lot of things that you don't think they could do, but they really can. And you have to be willing to let that go. And a lot of that is where it's on, it's on us to be trusting and let them be like, you're a contributing member to my team. I trust you. Let's get this done. Let's collaborate on it. I think people forget about that. Perfect. Well, Nick, thanks. Thanks for coming on. We'll have to have you back on and just chat through other stuff because there's so many different topics that I know you know about and you're, you care about. So this is just the tip of the iceberg here, but appreciate you spending some time with me. And uh, did we, do we miss anything, anything, any parting words, things that are top of mind for you based on our conversation? I, I think this is the perfect time to be doing this. I think the world needs more human rather than more AI. And I think the more that we can lean into building companies and, and providing food for all those around all around the world, there's a reason why we're all digital. So lean into that, give people jobs, give people purposes and, and love what you do.